You can turn in your Bibles uh, to Luke chapter 15. Uh, that's where we'll be starting this morning. But I do want to tell you, uh, I, I want to give you a um, kind of a, a review of what we talked about last week. We are talking about shepherding. And you say, you know, it's difficult to talk about because we may not ever have known a shepherd or a sheep for that matter. And so it's a concept that's maybe a little foreign to us. That said, uh, that's the picture of Scripture, uh, is that when we think of what God is to us, He says, I'm your shepherd. I'm your shepherd. As Christ came, He called Himself. He referred to Him as the Good Shepherd. Himself as the Good Shepherd to us, His sheep. And so we're going to try to look at that this morning. I want to tell you also that just reminds you that we have relationships that are shepherding relationships in the, here in the church. Uh, the elders are called to be shepherds, the people here of, of this flock, of this church. Uh, there's also a shepherding relationship of husband to wife and parents to children, as well as there's also relationships just one to another where God calls us. To, to do shepherding type functions one to another. And so all this relates as we see him be our shepherd, uh, that we would be shepherds to one another. I'll just quote it, but in First uh, John, uh, it says that we love because he first loved us. This is not uh, just learning some skills and then going about and doing it. Uh, it's built upon his relationship with us first, and he gives us the resources that we would be able to go about doing this. Um, this morning, uh, I want to encourage you that the first step, the first thing that you need to have is a relationship with Christ. Um, apart from that, uh, all this stuff is good principles, but it's really not going to work. You're going to run out of resources personally, and it's just going to be awkward and mechanical. Um, and so really that's the place to start this morning as we look uh, at God's word. So uh, shepherding review from last week. Uh, I had five points. I really had nine points, but I only got through five of them. Uh, so I added two. And so the total list will be 11 uh, in these two weeks. That's for you who are really numbers oriented and you want uh, everything in order, uh, I'll try to go over those points carefully. Um, so, uh, number one from last week was that uh, Christ was driven by heartache. Driven by heartache. As you remember, uh, in Matthew it says, as he looked upon the, the people that had been gathering to him, he saw them, he, his heart broke. And why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Um, this is what drove uh, Christ to be a shepherd, is his heart for the people. As we look down, uh, we're going to go there uh, again today, but last week we looked at John chapter 10, and we saw that uh, he was willing to sacrifice. Number two, he's willing to sacrifice and lay down his life. Uh, he cared enough to give his life. Uh, hard to imagine, but the shepherd would give his life for the sheep. Number three uh, from last week was that he was he was willing to walk in hardship with them. He he remember if you 
remember in John chapter 10, and we'll look a little bit at it today, that he, he put his life as a shepherd. He said, you know, I, I'm the good shepherd. I'm not like the hireling where the hireling would say, you know, I'll be a shepherd. I'll take my paycheck. I'll do the work. But when danger comes, I'll look at my paycheck as a hireling and I'll look at the risk and I'll say, I'll get another job. I'm going to bolt. This is cost too much. But that Christ in our hardship, in our relationship with him, he's willing to continue to be our shepherd even when things are tough. Number four was uh, that Jesus is our shepherd and the father as well. Uh, the shepherd is keeping watchful, keeping watchful. He's a keeper of us that, that he doesn't just stand there or, or sleep, but that he is watching and he's making his rounds and he's checking in on us and not just checking to see that we're present, but that we're okay and that we're, we're healthy, we're, our needs are taken care of, that he's walking with us in that sort of way. And then the, the last point from last week was that uh, our shepherd is a, the one who brings us peace. He brings us peace. You remember uh, from Psalm 23, it says, uh, as, as he thinks about the sheep and as he's focused on us, he brings us peace. It says, he, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He, he leads me beside still waters. He, he restores my soul. Those are all uh, a bringing of peace. And I, I want to remind you, that's a big deal when it comes to shepherding. That when we show up into a situation, that when we come home from work, when we come home from school, that we should be bringers, people who bring peace into the home, not bring chaos into the home. Uh, you think about uh, in relationships, whether it be a husband and wife, uh, when you come together, uh, do you stir things up or do you calm things down? Uh, this is the picture of Jesus as he ministers to us. He calms us down. And if we are to follow him as shepherds, we will be ones in relationship where we bring peace, where there is chaos instead of the other way around. Um, not that that ever happens in your home. Hypothetically speaking, I'll just say it that way. So we turn to today and to, today I have six points similar uh, but we'll start there in Luke chapter 15. Let me pray for us just briefly that God would uh, just bring these lessons to life in our life as we look to him. God, thank you for the opportunity of being here this morning. God, I know that uh, for some, this is just going to be a struggle to get through. Uh, I pray that you would do your work in us, uh, that we would... Um, be touched and not just touched in an emotional way that we're warmed in our heart, but that you would help us to set a course uh, to be the people you want us to be. Thank you for your grace to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Luke chapter 15, um, I want to give you a, a beautiful picture of what Christ has done for us. Um, in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 1, it says, now, now the people of Bear Valley Church were all... No, it doesn't say that. Some of you weren't looking at your Bible and you thought it did say that. Um, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. 
And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you that there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. What we see here uh, in Christ's relationship with his people, the thing that he does as a shepherd is that he seeks the lost. He seeks the lost. And you say, well, yeah, that, that's, that seems kind of obvious. But not. I don't just want to talk about how that he does seek, but how and his heart. You get this beautiful picture. Did you, did you hear that in this, this story that he told? He, he was with these filthy people, at least they seemed from the outside filthy, and he was doing a work in their life, and the religious leaders were jabbering like they always did. Well, I don't know if that person should be here, and I don't, you know, I don't know if Jesus should be talking to them. I don't know, you know. And Jesus says, let me explain this to you. Let me explain to you my shepherd heart. And he says, you know about sheep and everyone, it was a culture where they knew about sheep. And he says, which one of you, if you had a hundred sheep, but only 99 and you wouldn't go out and get that other sheep. And some of them probably said, well, I'd do that. You know, they're probably calculating in their mind, you know, uh, they were accountants and they said, 1%, 1% loss, no big deal. Um, you know, you, you win some, you lose some, you know, and you think through the, ah, I didn't really like that sheep anyways. You know, it's only one. It's, it's not like I don't have a bunch here. And yet Jesus uses the opportunity to say, the shepherd, the shepherd, you know what he does? He goes and he seeks the one. He goes searching. Uh, you, you picture a shepherd at the end of the day. He gets all his sheep in a place where they're safe for the night. And he counts it and he goes, 99. Oh, no. It's Bob the sheep again. <laughs> that guy. And, and he knows. He knows which one it is. And so he says, I got to go get that sheep. And so he's walking and he's checking the usual places and the usual things. And he finally finds the sheep. And it says that he rejoices. He rejoices in finding the sheep. He's excited, puts him on his shoulders, walks him back. And then he says, let's throw a party. This is so exciting. I found my sheep. And, and you say, well, yeah, I've heard the story before. It, it makes sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me. I'll be honest with you. It does not make sense. Why wasn't the shepherd mad? Why didn't he kick the sheep when he found him? Why didn't he say, dumb sheep? Why didn't he say, forget you. If you're so dumb that you're going to run away from that which is good for you, forget you. I don't need you anymore. I have 99. This picture is amazing to me because it says that his shepherd heart didn't look at him as just sheep. He loved them so much so that he would seek after them. 
He'd chase them down. He would give up his comfort of saying, hey, we're done for the day. I'm just going to you know, sit here and I'll get some food. He says, no, I'm tired, but I'm going to go after the sheep. And I get this picture that that's what he does. For some of you here this morning, the mere fact that you're in this building and I get to preach to you, we're singing songs like this, is a representation of that very thing. That Christ chased after you. He sought after you. He sought you out. You were wandering. You weren't planning on being part of the fold. You had different ideas. You had a better path and you had things to do that weren't on his schedule. So you took off. The picture here is that he sought us. He brought us home. And, and, And the thing that is so hard for me to get in this is that he rejoiced. Like he found some great treasure when he found me. And and I, I don't want to sound like a humble guy when I'm not, because I'm not. But but get think about it. That Jesus would seek after Kevin Bosler is just it just doesn't make sense. He could have found somebody better. He could have uh, upgraded. It's not worth his time and energy. And yet this picture is that as he finds this one sheep, it says he, re- he rejoiced personally. And then he says, let's throw a party because you, you don't understand. I found my sheep. And then he equates it to heaven. And he says, that's what happens when a sinner repents. There's rejoicing. You get it? He seeks after the sheep. I don't want to move too quickly from this beautiful picture, but so elders of this church, what, what does this mean for you? As you think about your shepherding responsibilities, I'll tell you how, how this works sometimes in all shepherding responsibilities, whether they be in the home or in the church. We wait for the phone call. We go, hey, if you got a problem, give me a call. Give me a call. That's what Jesus did, right? As the good shepherd, he had his 99 there. He says, Bob's out there doing whatever. I'll just sit here and wait for him to call. I'll wait for the wandering sheep to call. No, he made the call, right? He pursued. He was out there. He wasn't waiting for the phone to ring. He was picking up the phone. He was going. He was seeking. He says, I got to find him. That's the picture of shepherding. Uh, as you think about a marriage relationship, and it's easy to say, well, she's got her own thing. She's doing her own thing. And so, you know, I'm ready and willing to have a relationship, but, you know, she's too busy or she's got her own friends or she's got things that she wants to do. That's not a shepherding picture. Shepherding picture is pursuit, seeking. You think about uh, parents as they look to their children and they, they say, you know, um, I, I got all this great stuff that I want to tell them. I got all this great stuff that I think is so great that I want to tell them. But they don't want to listen. Guess I won't tell them then. No, you chase them down. You chase them down. You go with them. You pursue them. You, you see... There's this sense of action that says, I go. If I'm a shepherd, I go. Because that's what God did for me. As I look at the powerful picture of the gospel, 
It's not that we said, hey, well, you know, we'll meet you halfway. He says, no, I'll chase you down in the dangerous places that you have taken yourself to. As I think about that, you know, just practically, uh, we need to be about pursuing those God has called us to shepherd, to chase after them, to not wait for them to uh, life to hit hit us in the head and go, oh yeah, now we have opportunity. No, but to seek them out. Second point. And turn over to John chapter 10. Our next few points are going to be uh, all in John chapter 10. And kind of connected one to another. Um, it, in John chapter 10, it talks about our relationship. And I want to remind you that this is not a business model or a sports model or a leadership model. This is a relationship model. God having relationship with us and then us having relationship with one another. In John chapter 10, uh, verse 14, this is what it says. Jesus is speaking and he says, I am the good shepherd. And he says, I know my own and my own know me. Just as, the, just as the father knows me, I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. As you look at this, uh, you, you get this, that the shepherd knows the sheep. The shepherd knows the sheep. And that may not seem like a big deal. It seems kind of obvious, right, that he knows the sheep. But if you had a hundred sheep, it'd be hard to know each one, right? Unless you were diligent. In fact, I, I grew up... Uh, neighbor across the way had these two sheep and I think they were named Molly and Dolly. And I remember uh, this older lady and she'd take me out to the sheep and she was introducing me to the sheep. And she says, now that one's Molly and that one's Dolly. And I'm like, got it. And I'm thinking in my mind, I'm just going to throw the hay over the uh, fence and fill up their water bowl. I don't need to have a relationship with these sheep. I don't need to know Molly from Dolly or Dolly from Molly or any of those things. I don't need it. You know, that, and, and as time went on, you know, it was interesting. I still didn't know which one was which. I, you know, and you think, because sheep kind of look the same, right? They, 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 you know, they smell the same and all those other things. It's, it's, it's indistinguishable to someone who doesn't care. And yet the amazing picture is that Jesus says, he says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm different from any other shepherd you're going to come in contact with because I know my sheep. I know them. The idea, the picture of knowledge or knowing in the New Testament is many times used in the picture of salvation. That It's not just the idea that I know some stuff about them, but that we have relationship and you get this amazing thing going on in John chapter 10 where he says, I know everything about them. Like I, I know not just, you know, the way they wear their hair or what's going on, but I know what causes them insecurity. I, I know where they struggle. I know where they're strong. I, I know uh, everything about them. I have a relationship with them. That's what's interesting when someone truly has a relationship, right? You say, well, uh, you know, they're married and, 
They've been married a long time and they've walked a long time and they've listened to one another and there's been give and take and and a sense of walking through life together and they just know each other. Why? Because they've spent time, they've invested. And yet other people, there's a sense of, hey, you know, I, I know some details about them, but I really don't know them. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep. I know them. What the response to that is that Jesus knows his sheep and they know him too. They know him. You get this picture and then he follows it up with, I'll I'll tell you about what this relationship's like. And it's hard to put this into perspective too. In verse 15, he says, First said, I am the good shepherd. And then in verse 15, he describes this relationship. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. How can this be? The most amazing relationship of all of the history of anything that we know. He says, and my relationship with them is like my relationship with the father. Wow, that's amazing. So he knows us. He knows us. Moving on in the same, uh, the shepherd knows the sheep uh, in the same passage. If you look up at uh, verse three, you see that there's conversation and a knowing, not just of uh, presence, but a knowing of the voice. In verse three, it says this. It says, uh, to him, the, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice And he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought uh, brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of the stranger. Strangers. It's interesting. uh, There's a distinguishing uh, in chapter 10, that they don't just know one another, but they know the voice of the shepherd. If you can picture a flock of sheep and they're all kind of crammed into a small area, sheep don't see the shepherd, they hear the shepherd. Do you get that? So, uh, especially if you're a shorter sheep, no, I'm not talking about anybody here. I'll take it personal. That's the way short people always are. You know, they always take it. Anyways, but they're all right here. And I won't go too far with this illustration, but the sheep are in the midst. And what do the sheep see? Yeah, uh, other sheep, the ground, you know, sometimes the view's not very nice. And so anyways, they're looking around and what do they hear? Hear the shepherd's voice. And they respond to the shepherd's voice. Out of all the other voices they could hear, all the other noises that they could hear, they they hear the shepherd's voice. And what do they do? Boom! That's the shepherd. He's calling. Oh, he's calling us over here. Okay, we're moving that way. Shepherd's voice. You know, sometimes you think it's just an issue of command. So the the, uh, shepherd would say, hey, we're moving over here. Let's go, sheep. And... um, they start moving in that direction and someone could walk walk along there and say, oh, that's the way to do this. I can do this. Hey, sheep over here. The sheep don't move. In fact, they go, oh, no. Who's that? 
I don't know that voice. Must be a bad guy. A bad shepherd. He's going to he's going to take us. We're going to get stolen. Why? Well, because the sheep know the voice of the shepherd and the shepherd calls to them. You get this amazing picture that God's relationship to his sheep is not just one where he says, I know you, but I speak to you. I speak to you. That this relationship is is comforting. And in the midst of all that you hear in life, that I have a message for you. You think about that. And it's so important. Uh, I want to tell you, as you read the scriptures, as you read the scriptures, it's not just um, a handbook, okay? It's not a handbook. It's not something mechanical, okay? It's designed for relationship, it's designed, as we pray, it's not just, uh, God, I'll tell you this, thanks, and thanks for the grub, and we're done, you know. It's a relationship. And what kind of relationship is it? One that, as Christ speaks to his sheep, as he guides them, he guides them with his voice. And what's beautiful about this is that this relationship is so sweet that we're able to distinguish what is from Christ, our shepherd, as opposed to that which is from a stranger. You know, what, what voice should we listen to? Why? It's the relationship. That's my shepherd. You think about that and how that relates to um, husband and wife relationship uh, of elders to a church, of parents to their children. It's interesting that it's always determined, almost always, it's determined based upon the relationship. You know, a wife hears advice and she says, you know, my friends say this, my parents say this. I read this thing that says this. I watched Oprah. She says this. I I do all these things and they all have conflicting ideas. But my husband says this. I'm going to listen to my mom. <laughs> why? I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying, why? Relationship. You know, is that a sweet and tender voice? See, see, the sheep, when they hear the voice of the shepherd, what do they think? That's my shepherd. <laughs> he loves me. He cares for me. He, he's the one I follow. Why? Because I have to. No, because it's good for me. How about uh, parents to children? You know, how's that relationship? Everyone's barking, you know, at kids, right? They're they're trying out different things. Why? Well, who are they going to listen to? Depends on the relationship, right? It depends on the relationship. You think about your peers and you you want to have a, a relationship of impact one to another. And you say, yeah, this friend, they don't really listen to me. <laughs> Maybe they don't like hearing you talk. <laughs> Why wouldn't they like hearing you talk? Well, because you talk about yourself the whole time. And you, you, you want to spout off your opinions and ideas. And, and they say, oh, they love themselves. They don't love me. Relationship. You see, Christ had relationship with his sheep in such a way where they heard his voice and they go, oh, that's good stuff. <laughs> 
Oh, I love it. I got to go because he's calling me. In fact, those other voices that I'm hearing, those other ideas, I run from them. Why? Because they're not my shepherd. They're not my shepherd. As you, uh, as we proceed, you, you also see in this same group of verses, there's a sheep-focused leadership. You look at this same passage and it's, they hear his voice. He calls to his sheep by name. And then what does he do? Leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. What the shepherd does for us, I love it. This is number four. He provides us a sheep-focused leadership. Now, I want you to get this because it's super important. Um, the shepherd has a goal, right? He has a goal. He, he's got a point down in the road down there, and he says, I, I know where I'm going, but I'm concerned about the sheep. And so I lead them. I have this relationship where I go out before them, I lead them out, I go before them, they follow, and in the end, there's what happens is His glory, right? God's desire for us is that we would glorify Him. And you say, well, that's His focus, that's what He wants, and it is. It's the, the point out, in the, and He says, but I love these sheep, and I want them to get there. I, I want to push them to get there. That's um, that's the picture of what he he's focused on the sheep. You think about how that translates to your shepherding responsibilities. You know, what do you care about? What do you care about? What are you focused on? Are you focused on your well-being? Are you focused on some goal? You know, uh, you're pointing out in the future and you say... Um, I have some desires and I have a place where this is going and I have to somehow manipulate the people that are put in my charge to get them there. It's not the picture at all. Sheep-focused leadership. Now, I want to talk to you about this just for a moment. I don't really like the word leadership, uh, I'll be honest with you, because I think that um, most leadership talks about some event. You know, we, we want to win a championship or we want to make money in this, be the biggest company or whatever. And that's most of the time when leadership is talked about, there's some kind of other goal out there. Um, definitely different in the scripture when the goal is God's glory uh, and and we are the sheep and he has to somehow lead us to get there. It's just a different deal. But I want you to think about uh, what it means for us in our shepherding relationships. I, I think specifically uh, parenting. And it, it's hard sometimes. So you, so you have maybe a second grader in your home. And you're, you're thinking, what does this second grader need? And as parents, you're, you're struggling. You're going, well, you know, they need to learn. They need to learn this. And I, I got time and I got to, you know, they got to have food. And, you know, I got so many things to do today. A young man told me one time, he said, I love companies. I love companies that give me what I want. And I said, oh, that sounds so selfish. And he says, and you know how they do it? He says, a good company looks at what you want, the goal what, what needs to happen, and then works backwards. Uh, that's good. 
So, so in parenting, let me, let me explain how this works. You look at this second grader and you say, what, what are they going to need to be like when they're 40? What, what this second grader, we hope that they will make it to their 40. What will they need then? What will they need to do today that will put them on the path to then? The difficulty with that is so, so difficult is that some of us think that way. We go, oh yeah, I, I realize this child's going to be an adult someday. And when they're 40, um, you know, I, I want them to be married, have a couple of my grandkids, and, um, and I want them to have a good job and to be happy in life. And the thing that we leave out is the most important thing, that they would walk with God that they would have a relationship with God, that, that they would have a relationship that would take them through anything when they're 40. When they're married, whether they have kids, my grandkids, whether uh, they have a lot of money or very little, and whether their life has brought them, you know, rainbows and unicorns or it's been difficult, that they need Christ. And so as you look at your little second grader or your eighth grader or your 15-year-old, as you look at whatever phase of life as a parent, you're asking the question, what can I do today to put pieces in place, to lead them a few steps down the road that they would be that one at 40 years old that walks with Christ? You see... um, That's the kind of shepherding leadership that Christ provided for us and and continues to. He says, I want your best and your best is with me down the road. And so whatever's going on today, Christ says, I'll get out in front. I'll call you with my voice, but I will lead you to follow a path, a pattern. So there's a sheep focused leadership. Number four, number five. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, um, great passage at the end of the book. Uh, so much in it, but I'll just point out a few simple things. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 says this. Um, benediction, he says, Now may the God of peace who brought Again, from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you will do his will, working in us, which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be all the glory forever and ever. Amen. Um, get this picture uh, that the shepherd is the provider of everything. <laughs> the provider of everything. Sometimes uh, we're good at at throwing out goals and expectations, but we say, so figure it out and get there. Hop on board. And yet you get the picture of sheep and shepherd. uh, As you look at this passage, this particular one, you see we have a great shepherd of the sheep. And then in verse 21, it says, equip you with everything good. With everything good. And you get this picture that the sheep 
what do they bring to the table, if you will? What, what do they, how do they do for themselves? Well, they don't. Everything's provided. It, it, the shepherd says, here, I got you some food. It's right here for you to eat. Oh, I'll tell you where to drink. It's right over here. I brought, you know, I got this water for you. We we came here for this specific reason so that you may drink. You say, well, I'm fearful. How do do I protect myself? Don't worry. I got that too. I got that too. He says, well, sometimes I I get tired. And he says, yeah, when you get tired, we'll stop and rest or I'll pick you up and I'll carry you. We'll figure that out. I, I got that taken care of too. Sheep don't do it themselves. There's a sense in which he he lays it out and he says, we're heading off over there. You may not see the destination. You may not understand where this is all going, but I want you to, there is a goal out there. And he said, well, you know, how, what do we need to bring? Nothing. I got it. Everything. I've got everything. The shepherd tells his sheep. I I will provide for your success. It's interesting. Read, Read through that. He says, he provide you everything good. Why? So you can be fat, dumb, and happy. Does it say that? No, there's a purpose to our provision. God providing for us, what is it? You may do His will. You may do His will. And some of you are going, oh, I knew there was a catch. That just doesn't sound as fun as just being fat, dumb, and happy. I like the idea of Him giving me everything good and then me just doing whatever I want with it. There's a, there's a problem with that. And you say, well, yeah, it sounds kind of selfish and all this. No, no, that's not the problem. Is. The problem is this, that most of us in some way, shape or form, we're looking for a significant, amazing life. We're going, yeah, I just, I'm going to go for it all. And you think go, going for it all in your selfishness is going to make you happy? And it won't. Significant comes in the end part where it says his glory forever and ever. And you say, well, is that what I'm supposed to be doing? Yes, that's what you're made for. And you know, it's interesting when we're doing what the shepherd wants, when we're being our role as a sheep and we're glorifying him, guess what? It's the most amazing journey ever. It's amazing. Because it's what we were made for. Um, last point. Last point. That was, what was that? That was, he, he, the shepherd is the provider of everything. Um, this is my sixth point. Uh, and we'll just stay in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. I'll quote to you for you if you're taking notes. Uh, Psalm 46 says this. God is our refuge and strength strength, a very present help in trouble. And then you turn over maybe a page or on the same page, Hebrews 13, verse five, it says this, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. And as you read that, you go, how can I do that? I always feel like I don't have enough money. I, you know, I, I'm always fearful and just the world we live in, you just got to have money. And I think about it all the time. And like, there's things that I want and, and I'm, I just want something new. And it, it just seems impossible. How can I be free from the love of money and content with what I have? And then it says this, for he has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. 
My last point in what the shepherd is and does for us is that he is present. He is present. And you say, that doesn't sound very profound. It's not. It's not. He's present. He's present with us. He's right there. As you think of Psalm 46, which I quoted, it says an ever-present or a very present in time of trouble. The, the, the deal is, is that he's always with us. He's present with us. You think about, it's not profound, but it's amazing, isn't it? That he would care about us. So uh, a couple weeks ago, I was actually talking about it with Rob. We both saw this article. There's a computer programmer um, that was writing code. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but he was writing code. That was his job. He made about $250,000 a year, which is a lot of money for a guy like me. And, and I think about that and I go, wow, he's making a lot of money. But the article goes on to say that uh, he hired a company in China. He paid him $50,000 to write his code in China for him. And so he would go to work all the time and he'd log in and he'd go on Facebook, hook up with his friends. He'd go on eBay, buying junk, looking at junk, and just kind of his whole day would be filled with Facebook and eBay um, while somebody else in China was writing code for him. Now, it's impressive, isn't it? Come on, you're impressed, right? That seems like a good deal, huh? In fact, to be honest, my heart is drawn towards stuff like that. How you can figure out stuff where other people can make you money. It sounds great. It's another book, it's the same concept. It's called The 4-Hour Workweek. Any of you have seen The 4-Hour Workweek? Okay. It's a great concept. This guy's figured out his own system, and he's got to be kind of weird and bizarre anyways. But what he does is for four hours a week, he schedules everyone else to do his work in various places around the world, pays him nearly nothing so that he can go on vacations and do all this cool stuff. And as I look at that, I'm going, yeah, that's the ultimate American dream, isn't it? You're making money doing nothing, and everyone else is doing all the hard work, and you're having a good time. And some of you are looking down on me because I think it's so cool right now. Pharisees, you know. <laughs> you, you just couldn't imagine figuring it out, right? I want to tell you that shepherding, shepherding cannot be outsourced. It cannot be outsourced. It's an amazing picture that we think uh, we think, how much can I get done? That, that, that's what we think. How much can I get done in a day? And and we we even try to figure out new tactics, right? <laughs> try to include other people. You go, oh, what am I going to do? I, I, got, I got some work to do, but Johnny has soccer practice. And you're like, oh, I can sock that person up to take him to soccer practice for me. And you think, well, um, you know, I, I got this and I'm, I'm just going to sort of organize things. And even in a family, we struggle with this where we're going, how are we going to pull this off? And then we go, oh, real simple. Um, you get a ride home from youth group. You, you go take care of that. You get a ride home from youth group. I'll take uh, this one to this place. Uh, you take that one and you stay home and do homework. Break. Divide and conquer. The problem with that, you know what it is? The first word, divide. Divide. <laughs> 
divide. The picture of this beautiful relationship of shepherd to sheep is him saying, I'm present. I'm with you. I am with you. Did you know that you can't outsource those shepherding relationships? Outsourcing says, I have more important things to do right now. I'm going to shovel this off to somebody else. Um, I want to encourage you about something. Parents, elders, husbands, friends who want to make impact. I, I want to tell you, you can't outsource these relationships. Is the most important thing that you can do. And I want to tell you this, if you outsource them, if you outsource them, the relationship will be brought farther apart. Um, I'm not talking about outsourcing. In fact, some of you need to outsource right now so that you can work on shepherding. Some of you are involved in things that really don't matter. Uh, things that are busying your day and you're, you're finding significance in them and you need to walk away from them so that you can work on those relationships that truly matter. What a beautiful picture that God says to us. He says, I'm with you. I am with you. I want to encourage you just a practical way to do this. Uh, do as little as you possibly can alone. Do as little as you possibly can alone. Eating dinner, grab the whole team. Uh, if you're going to Albertsons, it's super fun. Take someone with you. Some of you have small kids and you're like, uh, you've never, you, you don't, you don't understand. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. If your if your end result that you want to go shopping and have a good time shopping, don't take the kids. Don't take the kids. But if you're concerned about shepherding, take them. Take them everywhere. Just be, be together. You know what? It's going to slow things down. It might even ruin some of the things that you're trying to do. But what's the end result? Shepherding. Shepherding. Don't do it alone. Uh, just last thing I want to say this morning is, once again, that this is your relationship with God, your relationship with God, and then uh, your relationship with others will be impacted by that. Just look back to Him. He'll give you both the strength and the model uh, so that you can be a good shepherd. Let me pray for uh, God, thank you for this morning. Uh, God, I know it's a lot. I, I know that your model is beautiful and perfect. God, um, I ask that you would help us reorder our world to model ourselves after you instead of uh, just trying to get a bunch of things done that most of them aren't that important anyways. God, help us to uh, care about our shepherding relationships and make us effective as we follow after you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.